Would you like for me to tell you a little joke? Yes? Are you laughing now? Alright, welcome to episode 2 of season 2 of Embrace the Suck, the only official, licensed, sanctioned, chemically unimpeded podcast of APG, bringing you two cents worth of free perspective on the heavy-hitting lifestyle. I'm your host, Bill Hart, coming to you almost live this time from the University of Copenhagen, where a recent study has determined that use of anabolic steroids may lead to hormone imbalances and emotional disturbances. Really? Yeah, so I, I was just looking for, a, you know, a random weird news story, and uh, I had another topic kind of half prepared, but then I saw this, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to run with this article, because I think there's a lot to get into here, and probably a lot we can get into without stepping on too many toes, so let's let's look at it. So, I uh, rabbit hold on this thing for a little while, because I was looking for some other um, some other home workout stuff, because, you know, like since this, uh, since this lockdown situation has been on trying to find any way to do anything apart from prison workouts is next to impossible. Uh, and I mean, with the lockdown thing, like your options are pretty much limited to either work out at the house or get chubby. And it used to be, I remember, you know, way back when that you could get, you know, a decent set of weights and, and the running price was about a dollar per pound, you know? So if you got like a, a 45 pound plate that was going to run you about $45 and you could find a lot of really cool stuff on, uh, on eBay. I used to look on there and you could look for, you know, old plates and stuff. And, um, if, if you haven't lifted before, you know, you look at it and you're like, that's old and rusty and crummy. Those that's, it's the best stuff. As I remember when I was at, um, when I was at SEAL team one, like back in the early nineties, like they've got now, you know, between all the teams, they've got this really high speed, you know, pro looking gym. It's really nice, but it used to be, you know, the teams were not a high dollar investment, you know, back in the nineties. And, uh, they used to have these, these weight rooms that were just chewed up, but the weights were, they were old and rusty and the bars were old and rusty. But what was cool was like you could put the bar or you like you could put the weight onto the bar and it would never move. Like it's not coming off of there. Like you don't have to use a clip or anything. It's like and it's staying there. And then, you know, when you go and you use all this really nice stuff, you know, if you look at it crooked, it's like zing and off it goes, falls right off the bar. And you're like, that's not very cool. So you gotta, you know, now you're looking for clips and hey man, can I use that clip? And where are all the clips? You know, not cool. So, you know, trying to get like a, a home gym put together. Um, it took, it took forever to find any kind of decent weight. And, uh, there was one, there was like one of these, you know, like they're, they're called bumper weights. It's like rubber plates and this kind of thing. So you don't really have to worry about dropping it and destroying your floor. And like right before the lockdown thing, I was like, you know, maybe I should buy some of this. And then the lockdown thing happened. And I was like, Oh, I got to look quick. And it like, yeah, we're sold out, dude. It's not happening. So pretty much everywhere now, you know, like you're starting to be able to find stuff again, but like that old rusty stuff that I was talking about. Like you, if you look on like eBay, it'll be one plate will be like $270. So, I mean, it's like the, the, the price has like quadrupled a good time to invest in, you know, pig iron, if you're into that kind of thing. But, um, 
Yeah, trying to get that going. I, I'm, if you had listened to the previous podcast, I, I talked about a, I built a pull-up bar in the garage, and I'm not any kind of a, a not really especially handy. So instead of you know a very carefully engineered product, I basically just kept stacking wood onto wood onto wood. Like if you can't tie knots, tie lots. And um, so I've got this monstrosity of a pull-up bar. So if the rest of the house burns down, I can pretty much maybe throw up a tarp and live under that thing because it's it's sturdy. But yeah, I, uh, I finally got out there and picked up a bench and a, a decent barbell. And I had to go all over the place, you know, and I went to all these major sporting goods stores and they'll have like, you know, a little rinky dink, you know, there's like a five pound thing or some kind of weird executive weight set, you know, like the Ron Burgundy special kind of a thing. But, uh, you know, I was running out of options and I, I stopped by Play It Again Sports in uh, out here in South Carolina and I was I was stunned they were like yeah people don't really come in here and they had tons of stuff I was like oh that's that's all me give me that so I'm getting like the home gym set up using some of that some of that good free government money and uh getting set up kind of nice I also put up a uh, a decent Muay Thai heavy bag so I did that and I I let the girls I let let, let my kids the the six-year-old and the four-year-old pick out what color what color we're gonna get here you know and that was kind of a mistake I'm like, what color do you want to get? They're like, green, get the bright green one. I'm like, hey, terrific. Like, why do you ask these things? So now I got this um I got this bright lime green bag hanging in my in my garage, which which is you know, whatever. So I kind of ran on this topic a little bit. Um just because it's uh it's kind of an easy reference to make some some larger points that I think, you know, warrant mentioning. And I, I think something that you find out when you start lifting is that um is that good life lesson that not everybody gets to be an astronaut. You know, I, I think I would say athletics in general, it's it's a good primer for decoding a lot of those those life lessons that need to happen. You know, so like I'm not really, you know, what you call a big guy. And, you know, you walk into a weight room, you know, you're just some guy, you walk into a weight room, and you think, well, I don't know what, I just come in here and I lift, 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 and maybe someday you know, I deadlift a Cadillac or I can bench 300 and, you know, some cats will, but most people, it's not in the cards. You know, not everybody gets to be an astronaut. Um, not everybody's going to get to run a sub six mile. And those are kind of lessons, you know, it seems very simple, you know, in that kind of a basic environment, but it's the kind of thing that I think you have to learn early and then you can get your head around it later when you have to come to terms with things like not everybody is going to be able to do advanced algebra. Like me, I can do plenty of stuff, but I, I'm i no good at math. Like I'm like, I can't even play blackjack unless, you know, I got my shoes off. Right. So it's just the way that it is. But, you know, generally then I think the trick is to find the things that you can do a little better you know, than other people. And then focus on those things that can pay your rent without, uh, without making you especially miserable. But I digest, I digress. Let's get back to this article. So this article that we're, uh, that we're talking about, this article on steroid usage, it goes on to uh, discuss a study that, that involved 132 men between the ages of 18 and 50 years old who were either current or past users who had discontinued use over three years ago or who had never used. All right, so kind of something interesting about uh, about academic articles. When I was in grad school doing this psychology thing, I read a lot of academic articles. And something that I don't think most people who have not read academic articles fully appreciate 
is just how half-assed a lot of these things are. And I'm being pretty generous when I say that. And every academic out there, you go shut yourself in a locker if you're going to try to argue with me on this. Because if you, you get on, you get on Google, you can go to like all the little little extra, you know, I don't know, rooms or options that Google has. They've got Google Scholar, so you can get on there and, and it'll spit out articles about whatever. It's all academic articles. So you get on there, just look up something that interests you. You can look up, you know, steroid use like we're talking about here. You look up, uh, you know, I don't know, man, anything, anything you want to, anything you want to hear about that might have an article based on it. And uh, what you're going to find when you look at what was the test population, like who did they, you know, subject to this test or who did they ask or who took this questionnaire? Nine times out of 10, it's undergrad kids. So it's some professor at some college that's asking his class, like, hey, anybody want, you know, a little extra credit, stick around, take this test, you know, or hey, tell your friends, you know, come in here, if, right? So it's, it's, a lot of it is, you know, it's, it's undergrad kids, it's teenagers and such. So when you see something that says like this, like between 18 and 50, and they have these qualifications and they, you know, what they lift or they, they have used steroids or they haven't, or it's within this window, this is something that you could look at and say, Oh, this, this might actually, this might make a good point here. So let's see what we've got. But some of the interesting things that I took away from this article was one, that um, findings here determined that steroid users had diminished natural hormone function around two and a half years after cessation. So that means even after they stopped using, it's like two and a half years until things go back to normal, until your hormone levels go back to normal. So... For the people that aren't, you know, especially familiar with with steroid usage, the idea here is that hormones are kind of like chemical messages. It tells things in your body to happen, right? It's saying, hey, you know, produce more of this kind of muscle or, you know, do this kind of thing. You're putting in, uh, you know, basically you're putting in artificial testosterone, which means grow more, grow more muscle, get stronger, right? So to balance that out, your body starts producing all kinds of other things like uh, estrogen. So this gives you more female characteristics. So if you've seen a movie Fight Club, you you know what I'm talking about. Um, but it also means that because you're pumping extra testosterone in, that your body's going to stop worrying about making testosterone. It's like, well, I don't need to make any more. There's plenty here. So now, you know, what your body was doing naturally, it's going to stop doing. And because you're doing this at such high levels, like you're pumping in way, way more than a person should ever produce. And that just plays hell with your emotional well-being, right? Because now you're pumping in all this testosterone and roid rage, they call, you know, some guys that uh, this stuff just hits them and they just, they'll fly off the handle. This stuff hits you and now guys are losing their tempers and then that estrogen bounces back and now guys are, you know, they're just crying out of nowhere. It's, it's not a good scene. And if you're not familiar with it, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit dodgy. Um, unfortunately, I have had, you know, some firsthand experience with, with uh, this kind of thing. It is something you see. It's, it, it is something you see in the military. And growing up, this was something that you saw a lot of because it was, I don't want to say unregulated completely, but it was um, not uh, as widely understood, I guess you'd say, as it is now. So like way back in the 80s, like when I was a kid, you know, like a little kid, I used to watch, you know, I used to watch football. I'd watch some football when I'm a little kid. And in Southern California, like a, a lot of people liked the uh, the Raiders. It was the Oakland Raiders and the L.A. Raiders. And now I 
well, what? And now it's then it was Oakland again, and now it's the Las Vegas Raiders, whatever. All right, but uh, in the '80s they had a uh, they had a guy playing there named Lyle Alzado, and the guy was just he was a monster, and this guy was juiced out of his mind. And you would see this, he would just, this was back before, too, before, uh, you know, they had any kind of rules on how you would hit a guy, you know, how you would tackle a guy. I mean, the like the helmet to helmet, like hit him just so, and after the guy's down, you, you, you know, touch him with one hand, not two hands, whatever. But this guy would just crush people. And then they, he'd get in fights, and him and, you know, some other juiced up monster are throwing each other around, and you're like, wow, this is great, I love watching football. I don't remember what year it was now, but... uh it came out like this guy was they had a story on him in sports illustrated and you could probably find it if you look it up but um the guy died of cancer i want to say it was brain cancer but he wasn't that awful old i mean he was you know he, he was obviously he's going to be past his prime but i mean that guy was i mean he looked done he looked like he was dying of cancer I mean, he was he was shrunk way up, and you know he looked like a reg, you know he looked like a regular sized person. And talking to him, he he said, "Oh yeah, we were doing tons of that stuff, and I have every certainty that if I wasn't doing that, I I wouldn't be dying right now." But moving on from from that, you know, I mean that's that didn't come out till a few years ago. But even uh, like in high school, uh, when I was in high school, I wrestled. I wasn't good at it. You know, it was a good time. Did it anyway. And uh, this was late nine, uh, what late eighties, and and uh, you know ninety, but there was a lot of guys on the juice in high school. Like you go to these tournaments, and I mean, I spent twenty years in the SEAL teams, and I did not see guys that were as jacked as the guys I saw in high school. All right, I mean, these dudes were monsters, and living in Southern California, you would hear about. Guys going down to guys going down to Mexico over the summer, you know, just get like a cheap hotel, bounce over the border, bounce back, you know, every couple of weeks and get stocked up. And uh, I mean, you'd see it would be normal. It would be completely normal in high school to see guys go from like 130 to 160, like just, you know, like like a little high school kid. Right. 130 pounds. And then he comes back. And, you know, you see him after the summer, and he's this monster, completely different species of person, right? And they'd tell you all about, like, yeah, bro, here's all you go down to Mexico. And you and they'd talk about, like, you get a vial and put it in, like, a Coke or something, and you're coming back across the border. Because this was, like, back when you didn't even have to have a passport to go to Mexico. I mean, I wouldn't go to Mexico with with a fleet of armed guards at this point. But this was, you know, 80s, 90s, and and guys would go down to Mexico, no big deal. Then going to going to buds and getting into the SEAL teams, it was the same thing. You'd see you'd see guys and you after you recognize it, you know, you you'd start thinking, you know, when you don't know what you're looking at, and you'd think like, I just gotta work harder, you know, I just gotta tighten my diet up, you know, I gotta I gotta get more protein in, I just gotta put more effort in the gym or, you know, in the mat room. After you know what you're looking at, by the time you get to you get to the teams and you would see guys and you just know you're like, dude at that point, you know, when you're in the military, there becomes a question of like, well, you know, you could be going to war and, you know, it's maybe you're damaging yourself, but guys are more interested in staying alive in the short term. And I'll worry about long term when long term is a definite option, you know, and and so it was obviously it's illegal in the military and they'll they'll launch you out for it. But 
honestly, unless it's unless it's blatant. In my experience, anyways, you know, I'm not I'm not a lawyer, and I don't represent the entire U.S. military. Just in my experience, it was that if if they didn't see you doing it, and you weren't blatant about it, you know, you're not doing bodybuilding competitions on the weekend, or you know, powerlifting or something. Nobody's gonna ask. Like just you know, whatever. You're you're uh, getting stronger, and uh, as as long as you're gone by the time the cancer kicks in, then you know they don't care. But you'll see things where people are talking about, you know, if you read anything on this or you watch any videos on this stuff, people will talk about, well, you know, you take this, but then you balance it out with that. And then, you know, you taper off this cycle, you use this. So your body starts going back to normal. And I mean, you look at you look at any social media site and there's dudes who look like cartoons. I mean, they're just they look like He-Man cartoons and they're telling you how their $40 push up program is going to have you you know, kicking sand in some skinny guy's face next time you're at the beach, right? Like, dude, I've done a lot of push-ups. I I don't have the cartoon chest that you have. That's madness. And that kind of, but that kind of brings us back to uh, one of the other big takeaways that I got out of this article. And I'm kind of, you know, the the longest way around the, uh, the bush here, long story longer, but probably the biggest takeaway that I got out of this, this article coming out of Denmark there was that most of the users that they interviewed were non-athletic recreational lifters, which is to say they're not doing this for a paycheck, right? Because, I mean, we, we work with APG, right? We work in pro sports. So, you know, you, you understand that at that level, there are guys willing to violate that substance abuse policy. And, uh, and honestly, as we understand it, um, most of the substance abuse uh, violations are actually for Ritalin, or not, not Ritalin, what's that other stuff? Uh, Adderall. Adderall, because there's so much to know, which blew my mind, right? The the stereotype of the dumb jock, right? But um, guys are taking Adderall because there's so much to know, and you've got so much to study, and then week after week, you've got a whole nother team that you need to get your head wrapped around. What are these guys going to do? What does it mean when he does this, when he does this? You know, every week is a new final. So as steroids go, then I guess that's, you know, it happens, but I don't know that it's as prevalent. But in this study, it's not guys doing it for a paycheck. They're not doing it like uh, like guys in the military might be doing it. You know, I want to make sure I stay alive if things get heavy. Uh, they're not doing it to stay in school, you know, make sure I keep this scholarship by, you know, making sure I go to nationals this year or anything like that. They're just doing it for the likes, right? They're just doing it for the little, the little thumbs-upses you know, that they get when they post their picture, you know, so next time they go to the beach, somebody's like, hey, wow, you look jacked and tan, you're looking good. That's the only reason. And you can't even say you're doing it to stay healthy, because if you were trying to be healthy, you wouldn't be doing something that's going to destroy your body. And, you know, what they, one thing they didn't mention in this article is that, um, like, the real pisser of all this is that if you really want to boost your testosterone, you just go to sleep, and that's, and that's, I guess something that kind of bothers me is, you know, people talk, talk, talk about, hey, buy this product, use this thing, you know, subscribe to this app. But then, well, hey, if you want to, you want to straighten out your hormone levels, go to sleep because that for a guy is, this is when you produce the most is when you're asleep. So if you're getting eight hours, nine hours, then you can start optimizing that. But America, as it, turns out has become this place where people get less sleep and do more work than anywhere else. So, and, and you can color this however you want. I'm just going to say it, that at a time 
when the people meaning to govern you are coming out and saying, well, I'm not sure I should float any of your own money back to you because you might get lazy and you might start getting used to the idea. Like, understand that everywhere else in the world, people are getting more of them, uh, more of their lives to themselves, if you will. Like, you get to do whatever you want with your life more often than you do here because here, you got to feed the bulldog, right? You got to get out of bed. You got to get to work. This is a place where people are losing sleep. And just by taking that approach, you're going to get a lot of those benefits that you were hoping to get off of hitting the juice and you're not going to destroy your body. But so it made me kind of think a little bit more on this and and it made me think, why do people do this kind of thing? You know, even apart from not knowing, you know, like I just didn't know that this was an option. Um, But why would people go to that length? And I think part of it is that people naturally want to set themselves apart. You know, as much as people want to say, we're all friends at this party, we're all equal, kumbaya. People want to set themselves apart. People want to demonstrate that they deserve a higher spot in the pecking order. But we're kind of in a unique time where, you know, finding that spot in the pecking order, I mean, survivability, that aspect, you know, of like, hey, I can stay alive better than anybody else. Well, yeah, everybody can. Survivability is not an issue. Nobody is starving to death. It's not happening. All right. Uh, being resourceful is pretty much handled. I mean, you pretty much, you have access to everything a person needs to stay alive with minimal, minimal effort. In a lot of cases, there's people who aren't even completely sure how to stay alive and somebody will come around and like, Hey, let me help you. Let me set you up with uh, an account or help you get your electricity turned on. So being resourceful, like that's even out the window. Um, being intelligent isn't as much of a commodity because everybody has a supercomputer right there in their pocket. So it's like, you know, looking at how does a person decide, what do I think of this person compared to that person? Where's your place in the pecking order? It's almost like comparing, you know, a high-end Mercedes to a low-end Toyota or a Rolex to a Timex. I mean, there's there are luxury aspects, but in terms of basic function, like one is almost just as good as the other. I mean, some people out there even pay top dollar to look flat broke, right? Like it it costs a lot to look this poor. You've heard that before. I'm sure I've said that before. So at this point, the only way people seem to be able to differentiate themselves in terms of who's the high quality person or high status person compared to everybody else is like it all comes down to style points, like who's getting the likes, Right. And to that end, it becomes less about who you actually who you actually are, what you actually do, and more about just how you present. And I've, I've mentioned before, if you listen to any of these, how much that kind of things thing uh, kind of bothers me. I think it's much more important to actually be than to appear. But, uh, you know, so a guy may never kill a saber toothed tiger or fly to the moon. But the thinking, I think, is that if he can at least look the part at least more so than the next guy, then that might bump him up a spot or two in the pecking order, which is, at the end of the day, what I think most people want. And I'll tell you something, people that say they don't, I'm just interested in getting along. That pushing of that virtue, right? Look how virtuous, look how humble I am, man. I don't know if you've heard how humble I am. Ask around. Everyone will tell you, I am quite the humble fella, right? That pushing of that virtue, that virtue signaling, don't lie to yourself, man. That's It's the exact same thing. You're looking for a step up in that pecking order. You're just taking this kind of back door to get it. But So one of the questions this article raises uh, to me then, and I think it's something that applies to all of us, is not just why do you do the things you do, but 
would you still do the same thing if no one else would know about it? Like if we really were like locked down, locked down, you know, and nobody's going to know what you're doing at your house, would you still hit the juice and go for that, you know, not even that six pack, go for that eight pack, go for that 10 pack. I need to bench 300. Would you still, would you still be pushing for that? Taking those same risks if nobody else was ever going to find out about it. Because something I've noticed is that, sure, there are some people who will seek you out because, you know, you've got a faster car or more tattoos or, you know, in this case, you know, bench press a Cadillac or your forearms look like a map of the New York subway system, right? Uh, I mean, there are niche fans for pretty much anything. But what I think people universally respect in my limited experience is conviction and discipline. And that means pursuit of something that you feel is not just fun or popular, but something that is morally relevant and something you're willing to trade away some gratification in order to pursue. So once again, this story presents like a situation that we could kind of poo-poo, but again, it's something that I think brings up a question that we have to ask ourselves, you know, as, as just uh, people hearing the story or reading it, and that's... Uh, are, are there parts of my own life where I'm tearing up parts of my body or parts of my mind for just a superficial level of gratification? And that can, you know, and that could be anything from those small things to some of those, those larger life choices. Like looking back, uh, you know, would I really stay in the military this long if I knew this, this, and this? Would I go back to school if I knew that, that, or that? Any of those things. But it warrants, you know, kind of revisiting your own decisions. And those are the kind of those thought processes that can help guide you in decisions coming down the road. Like we don't always have to make the same mistakes we've made made before. But that's enough of that. And that's something I think we can talk about the next time around. So that's right about all the time we have for today. Uh, But if you've got questions, thoughts, comments or concerns or you've got an idea or a topic for something you'd like to hear me rant on about, you can drop us a quick email at info at apg.team. And if you like what we're putting out, do feel free to subscribe so you get our stuff in a timely fashion and share these ideas with your friends because we always say the world needs hitters. So, as the sun sets slowly in the east, we leave you with the words of Oscar Wilde who says, Just be yourself, man. Everyone else is taken. that you are not.